everyone, welcome back to But Why the Podcast, and today we're getting spooky with James Wan. As always, I'm your host, Kate, and I'm here with Adrian. Hey, how's it going? And Matt. Hello. And a super scary, super awesome guest, Prince. Hey, 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 how's it going? Hello. Super, super <laughs> excited to have you on. Uh, so before we jump into the episode, why don't you tell people... Uh, what you do, where they can find you, and pretty much why you're here to talk about James Wan. Yeah, well, as you said earlier, I'm Prince, also known as the Head Knight over on Twitter. So that's one place you can find me with that URL or at or username or whatever you want to call it handle. Um, but I'm actually one of the hosts of Nightlight, a horror movie podcast, and that's Night with a K uh, under the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. Uh, I have written actually for but why though once before so that was super fun um and also have a few other things kind of in the pipeline as well with like we are horror zine um yeah so we'll see it's a whole bunch of cool stuff that um i'm doing right now but that's where you can find me and i reached out to you immediately when we were going to do a james wan episode because uh, I feel like you just showed all your horror credentials, which is a hell of oh, yeah. a lot. And <laughs> we're super happy to have you on. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Uh, so our first question to start the show is, how many James Wan ha- films have you seen and what's your favorite? Ooh. Okay. Uh, oh. Let's let's let the guys go first and then yeah, we'll close out say with you, you on this one. First. You can think yeah. about this one. <laughs> okay, well, I'll go first, obviously, since you do have this nice little t- table or whatever. So I've seen Saw, Saw 3, um, let's see, Furious 7, Aquaman, and I think that's it, even though I've seen bits and pieces of like some of the other ones, but I, those would be the ones that I can say I can explicitly have seen i guess oh oh oh, i forgot i had to do my favorite didn't i yes and i guess for my favorite i'm gonna go with saw over aquaman only because aquaman's dialogue is terrible and i hate every time they speak in that movie (laughs) (laughs) that is fair uh for me comes to no surprise uh i haven't seen a lot of these movies i've seen saw i don't remember what saw three is i don't know which one that one is it's not good i don't remember i think i've, I've seen a couple of saws but i think i've only seen the first two i don't remember what the that's third all one you is. need to see to be honest i have yeah. walked out of a room or i've walked into a room that was playing insidious and then promptly walked out of the room i've also done uh, that by the way because <laughs> i noped out of that movie um, I like watched. I think I watched The Conjuring. I don't know. All these movies sound the same to me. They do. Uh, We're gonna talk about that later. <laughs> they on. really do, Adrian. I don't because know. I'm like, I watched. I watched The Conjuring or one of these movies um, at my neighbor's house with Stefani, and I thought it was like the dumbest thing ever. I was like, I didn't watch this movie. This movie's stupid. I don't know. I don't. Really, I don't even know if it's like the same thing. I don't. Know. They were in a house. They They're always in a, ho- in a house. They were in a house. There was some yeah. demon thing. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was an, it's probably Annabelle. Maybe I don't. I don't know. I just, Annabelle that's, is that's, a doll. That's, that's a different movie, yeah. but yes, it's the same thing. Yeah, it's was, in a universe. Yeah, sounds like you're in that that universe. So sounds yeah. like you're there. <laughs> so those those aren't for me. Obviously, I've seen Furious Seven multiple times. Uh, Aquaman. Seen Aquaman. We reviewed it for the thing. I'm in the same boat. Aquaman's great unless until they start they talking. Talk. 
Uh, so like objectively, but it gave it gave us pimples, Africa though. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> uh, but James Wan gave me people jumping out of planes and cars. Uh, Someone like Furious <laughs> Seven. <laughs> it's true. Which I would imagine is his biggest movie when it comes to like money. I think he. Probably I don't. It's either that, that one movie. or Aquaman because Aquaman They're... made a billion too. Yeah. Those are uh, big defining moments, uh, which is funny because it's they're the only two that aren't horror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I have seen everything that James Wan has done outside of Death Sentence and Stygian. And Stygian was his first film, his amateur film. And Death Sentence came the same year as Dead Silence. And I didn't know it was by him. And I haven't had the resolve to go find it and watch it <laughs> dead silence um, is the one with the doll correct the that was i saw the commercial and i was like i'm done we yeah. will never mention <laughs> we're gonna talk about why that movie is an underrated film and nope. this is specifically yes. why i brought prince on because i saw his <laughs> tweets about it and i was like we're gonna vibe so hard on this episode because yes. that film still scares the crap out of me um so i love so much of what james wan has done but if i were to pick my favorite I would probably say Insidious just because I will never get over the screeching chorus of 33 violins the moment the opening card shows up in that film. Um, And it gave me probably some of my favorite scares of the 2000s, like just straight up. Um, so I would, I would probably say Insidious with Saw being like, right, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Also, not going to lie. The first time I saw Saw, it was on bootleg because that was the time where we were going to the flea market for our movies. Um, but I've seen it so many times since. I don't know. Those two, uh, Insi- I'm just going to go with Insidious. I'm going to go with Insidious. There you go. Okay. Insidious. Prince, your turn. All right. Um, I've seen... All James Wan films except for Furious 7. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> my apologies. It's, my it's apologies. Nice recording with y'all. I, I already knew it. I already knew it. I'll, I'll see y'all at the end of the episode. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it's just Fast and Furious. I, I was, I was into it. And then I, it's just so many started happening. I was like, I, I can't keep up. It was just so hard for me to keep up. But I'm, I I did say whenever there's a collection, and I, I think there's one coming out soon, right? Or if there's no. not one already, no. they're making more okay. movies. Come they're on. making All so right. many more. All right. So once a collection comes out, I'll catch up then. So maybe in 50 years. Um, but <laughs> uh, but I've I've seen all of them. Um, Stygian is actually really really cool. Um, but I probably if I had to choose a favorite. Uh, Damn. Uh, yeah, that's hard, actually. I, I'm probably going to have to go with um, The Conjuring for me. Uh, it'll be The Conjuring, then Insidious, then Saw, then Dead Silence. Uh, yeah. You should watch Death Sentence. 
that sentence is. Okay. That's an intense <laughs> one. <laughs> That's an intense movie. Kevin Bacon is wild. But, uh, yeah. When I, is I Kevin Bacon so. not wild? Uh, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, From Footloose to Tremors to everything else he's done since. Yeah. He's on a he's, different level. He is brutal as all hell in that movie. It's it. That's a, that's a fun one. Oh man, check out Death Sentence. <laughs> so as we do with all of our episodes, we're going to talk a little bit about his history, his films that he's put out right before we go into the but why those. Um, so James Wan is a Malaysian Australian film director, screenwriter, film producer, and comic book writer. He rose to prominence as the co-creator of the horror film Saw, and. That, eh, which is one of the highest grossing horror franchises in the world with receipts of almost a billion dollars, <laughs> which doesn't sound like a lot of money because <laughs> um, he, because, you know, Furious, Fast and the Furious was brought up and nothing will top that box office. So, nope. <laughs> well, it's also not impressive considering there's now like six or seven of those movies. Yeah. Um, so he served as producer on all eight of the films in the Saw franchise, as well as directing the first one and co-writing Saw 3. Um, after a negative experience developing and directing Dead Silence, Juan directed Death Sentence that same year. Both received negative reviews and were bombs. Frustrated by what he saw and his specific lack of input on his own films, Juan took creative control and experienced a career resurgence with horror films Insidious, The Conjuring, and Insidious Chapter 2. Um, then he directed Furious 7, as Adrian has pointed out, and Prince apparently has not watched, um, as well as The Conjuring 2. And then he jumped into superheroes with Aquaman. In tw- I, I can't believe Aquaman came out in 2018. Holy crap. The funny thing is, I thought you were going to say The Nun, which also apparently comes out this movie. Yes, it also comes out. Oh, yeah. No, you say jump in the superheroes, The Nun. Oh. Oh. Because <laughs> that's the next oh. on the list. I, I thought you were going to say that he was already doing superhero movies because Seven is the one where the rock is <laughs> in a helicopter with a machine gun. This is fair. Uh, and that, out of the cast, you know what? So. I wonder if in that, I wonder if in the discussion with DC, he was like, I already directed a superhero film. Yeah, Did you I see what I had the rock do? I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> I will make Aquaman somehow not be as super as Furious 7. Dropped a Superman punch in that movie. (laughs) Um, Both of those films grossed over a billion dollars. And that actually made Juan the eighth director to have two films that reached that milestone. Um, Which we're going to go into a little bit more later. Because while he was the eighth, he also had a couple of firsts at the same time too. Um, So... Juan has produced a lot of movies, so I did not include a list of all of his productions because Homeboy has range. And he, do, he if you think about the Bloomhouse model, where it's just find all of the films you can shoot for under a million dollars and, 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 and make them and greenlight them, essentially James Wan does that, but attaches himself as producer. <laughs> Well, and, pretty much. <laughs> um, but uh, 
dissimilar to the Bloomhouse model, which when the Bloomhouse model first started, they knew they had duds on their hands. James One does actually genuinely, genuinely believe in and like like and has some like input in a lot of the films that he produces. Similar to how Guillermo del Toro when it comes to uh, GDT uh, producing films. Uh, that being said, he has a tol he has under his belt films that he's directly involved in, so either director or writer. Stigen in 2000, where he is director-writer. Saw, where he is director-co-writer um, with Lee Whannell, whose name will keep coming up a whole bunch, because Lee Whannell is, like, he is the best, they're best friends. Like, James Wan and Lee, Lee Whannell are best friends. They essentially restructured horror twice together, and they're both doing really cool things by themselves. Like, Lee Whannell just did The Invisible Man, which is one of my favorite films of the year. Saw came out in 2004, and then he also did Saw 3, where he did story for it. One of the fun facts about James Wan is he's never directed a trilogy. Ever. He, like, pops in and out well. to direct certain things. Um, I think Furious 7 actually keeps him from... I think he keeps him from doing... He's been directing one of the films, and I don't remember which one it was. But there's a film that comes out that he was going to direct, but he doesn't. I think it's Insidious. I think Insidious 2. No, I think it's 2. What, what, he directed 3. Though. He di it would have to be 3. It is it? 3. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is 3. Yeah, it's 3. And then Wanell directs and writes 3. Um, Isn't that movie Furious. terrible? I didn't think it was bad. I, you know what? Hot take. None of the Insidious movies are bad. Last Key is even fun to watch. So Last Key's no. a blast. I have the Last Key. Like, I am not in the camp that they're terrible. Matt, I have the Rotten Tomato scores later when we get into their thing. Okay? <laughs> it's, it's better than I, what I, I thought. It, it, it's better than we'll, what I thought. We'll get into it. They're listed. I'm going to keep moving through these movies. Um... <laughs> And then he writes, directs Dead Silence, directs Death Sentence, uh, directs Insidious with Wanell as, as the writer. He directs The Conjuring, directs Insidious Chapter 2, and co-writes Chapter 2. Does Furious 7, does The Conjuring 2, where he writes and directs The Conjuring 2. He, does, he writes for The Nun, he writes and directs Aquaman. He writes Annabelle Comes Home, which is really weird because it's a very weird piece of that franchise to come into. Like, he couldn't start it out. He comes in on the third one. Um, and then he is set to write The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, which is the third in The Conjuring franchise. Um, and then there's a film coming out called Malignant, which he is doing both directing and writing for. Um, there isn't a lot known about that movie, other than that people got really excited for it when it was announced. Like me. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I know about that movie, and this is slight insider crap, but is that it is a inspired by giallo mm -hmm. which got me even more excited so it, this movie is going to be weird and a lot of people are not going to like it but i'm okay with that <laughs> that defines the majority of the horror things that i like yep <laughs> <laughs> um and then you have the crooked man which he's set to write and the crooked man is based on a ghost in the conjuring 2 yeah. yeah, in The Conjuring 2 that pops up in, like, the middle of the movie, it's it's real creepy. Like, it's probably yeah. one of the creepiest scenes of that entire film. 
He has his um, own song, too. Yep. Don't bring that up. <laughs> We're not going to talk about that. Um, and essentially, that piece of the film is now being built into its own film, which I'm not against because we're going to get into how dope James Wan is at building worlds. He doesn't just build a horror film, he builds a world. Um, so in 2014, he founded Atomic Monster, um, and this is through New Line Cinema, and he began releasing all of his films under that banner. Um, so everything from The Conjury 2 on is a, an Atomic Monster production. And then Atomic Monster is also running uh, Mortal Kombat, Aquaman 2, There's Someone Inside Your House, and of course Malignant. Um, and those are the announced, definitely happening films. And then you Maybe. have the films that are in development. Okay, definitely happening pre-COVID. <laughs> Mortal Kombat <laughs> is definitely happening because that thing has already been shot. <laughs> right. I heard um, the Crooked Man was like one of those films that was supposed to happen so long ago mm-hmm. and it just never... I feel like that thing's never coming out to be completely honest. I don't know. Yeah, I'm going to be real. Probably not. I would take a graphic novel on it, though. Same. Yeah, I'd be in that. That would be good. Um, and then there are a whole slew of films in development. There's The Nun 2, The Crooked Man, Annabelle 4, The Trench, Salem's Lot, which I was really excited for when it was announced. Gary um, Doberman, uh, right? Yep. The uh, remake of Train of Basan, not excited for that. Um, the remake of that? that? Well, Atomic Monster is, which I guess also means he is. Um, it just doesn't work. Like, you can't remake it in the American don't context because we don't no. have bullet trains. It makes no, no sense. <laughs> exactly. Like, we don't lit- do you that. literally cannot replicate that film. Is it. Uber. Are, uh, are they going to keep the name? The train of Busan? Like, they they can't. We call the what are they going to do? Are they going to put, like, freaking Mark Wahlberg on a train in the middle of Busan to make him. Uh, I. No. Oh, my okay. God. No, there's a, there's a zombie the, right there. It's going to take place in, like. Santa Fe, New Mexico, going through. <laughs> right. I thought right. we were gonna go from like Philadelphia to Baltimore and back. That's all. Yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> we're taking. Like, Let's it, just take it, a ferry in Boston. Boston. <laughs> <laughs> a ferry in Boston going to New York. Like that's, <laughs> there ferry it is. to New York. That's actually what this project is called. Um, also, a remake of Arachnophobia. How dare you? Um, that movie is great and does not need a remake. Uh, the Tommy Knockers, another Stephen King piece. Ooh. Lights Out 2, which is interesting. Lights Out was not bad. It was a, I, that another underrated film. Um, I love Lights Out. It, it, it's creepy. It's real creepy. It's creepy. It's great. Um, <laughs> the great. Troop, Megan, Sweet Tooth, which is really exciting because I believe Sweet Tooth is the series adaptation of the graphic novel series. Um, the boy who drew monsters, Smart House, which is going to be directed by Alexander. Come on, are they remaking the Disney movie? Yeah, no. I'm, I'm curious. No. <laughs> are they remaking the Disney that. movie? Because that Disney that that, that Disney movie's creepy. creepy, man. That's creepy. Is it? That could work. Yes. So that when could you work. click the, when you click the Wikipedia link, it does take you to the Smart House Disney, Disney movie. movie. That thing is creepy. Which for is a child? terrifying. So it is terrifying <laughs> when you realize that Alexandra Aja, Aja is attached to that project because we're going to oh, talk about him later on. Oh my god! Because he is he is. Someone's losing a hand in a, in a garbage disposal, guaranteed. Yep. yep. <laughs> Someone's um, losing a hand in a garbage disposal. 
<laughs> then there is the boy who drew monsters milk and hunting season which we don't have any information i thought there about. was already a movie called milk there is but it's not it's not the same thing that one is a a a, a biographic picture on harvey milk this is probably not going to be that sure whatever <laughs> anyway <laughs> movies are getting remakes and james wan is doing them um <laughs> or at least producing them uh so that kind of wraps this i guess this overview of his filmography and the stuff that he's done um when you look at the actual production credits you end up with literally everything in the conjuring universe everything in the saw franchise all of those things um so as we shift into the but why those the largest one here and the main one is that he is probably one of the most important directors of the last 20 years um and that is for the things that are coming up the first is torture porn so he didn't create it, but he did start its resurgence. Uh, so it, with Saw in 2004, a film that was made on a million bucks, it grossed 55 million domestically. And this is what kicks off the, uh, the Splat Pack. Um, and the Splat Pack is a uh, unofficial thing, but it's essentially a group of directors that was coined by film historian Alan Jones as the modern wave of directors who are making indie films for on the cheap with ultraviolence. Um, so when you think about the other folks in the Splat Pack, you get Alexandra Aja, Darren Lynn Boseman, Neil Marshall, Greg McLean, Eli Roth, Lee Winnell, and Rob Zombie. You end up with films like Cabin Fever, Hostel, The Devil's Re Rejects, all the subsequent Saw films, and a whole bunch more. So, um, yeah? All I'm going to say is I don't understand because I don't like any of those other movies, but I love Saw. So this is the thing. One of the really perplexing things about Saw, which he co-created with Lee Winnell, is the fact that the film itself is not extremely gory. This is why I was confused when you started bringing the splat pack here. Yeah. So, but the thing is, is while it's not extremely gory itself, the torture elements that it brings in that we don't necessarily see is essentially what inspires this entire wave. And this gets taken up a notch with Saw 2, Saw, all the subsequent Saw films. But essentially what Saw does really well and what it did, and it had to do this because of its budget constraints, was not showing a lot. Right. It let you figure out the ending to those things. Nobody even, figured out the ending to the first movie. Okay, nobody figured out the ending to the first one. <laughs> that is but, one of the, one of the greatest twists scenes of all ever. time. Yes, that is one, like of, one of the greatest scenes of ever. all time. <laughs> um, so uh, this... Is, so essentially, this solidifies the rise of torture porn, which defines 2000, the 2000, 2000s in horror from right. like 2000 to 2010. It's just that kind of film. It's ultraviolence. It's it, which I don't mind. I like those films, but it's also a lot of people's, not a lot of people's cup of tea. Um, and you can say James Wan and Lee Vanell started that. Um, but granted, <laughs> they weren't the ones who took it to that next level. Folks like Eli Roth and Rob oh. Zombie are to thank for that. Um, <laughs> yeah, Eli Roth with Hostel. Once that initially came on out, you can yeah. definitely tell. Like, oh, 
okay. This is where we're going. Definitely up a notch. Yep. (laughs) So, one, outside of probably Saw is the only time I probably ever stood up at the end of the movie and just started yelling, what the hell did I just watch? Because what the hell? Um, (laughs) That that twist is great. But also, does this count with the last house on the left? Does this fall into there? So the last house on the left was a film from like the seventies, I believe. Yeah. Well, I'm talking yeah. about with, okay, but I mean with the remake of how was it all within there as well? Um, Not necessarily. It, yeah, because it. Because so I think it comes out at the during this time, but I don't know. Whether it comes out during that time, but it's doing it, essentially what the remake does is it shows us a lot of stuff that they that they didn't necessarily do in the seventies because of constraints with technology. Which is what I, okay, with technology or was it with sensors? With technology. Okay. <laughs> the the, yeah, seven, the sensors 60s, love this six, shit. <laughs> 60s and 70s horror is like a whole nother level of we don't care about censorship. Right. <laughs> like, like you, is... ha- you have martyrs a part of that. Obviously, Alex yep. Alja's high tension or switchblade romance in, in England. But yeah. gosh, it was just so many different aspects yeah. of that ultra violence that you got from this era yeah because because this new wave that raises up it, it like so i think it's probably better to say that aja is who puts that in place in france because france right. has the 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 rise of ultra violence happening a little bit before it's like right before saw comes out but when saw comes out it's what introduces uh, american directors into it the hills have eyes also falls into this yeah this that piece. remake that remake yeah um and yeah um but saw itself as a franchise there's saw saw 2 saw 3 saw 4 saw 5 saw uh, 6 saw 3d which uh, is technically the seventh movie uh, and then spiral which was supposed to come out this year that i was actually interested in i didn't know why they were doing it but i was intrigued now you're just hurting me because one i love the first saw movie it's probably my favorite horror movie saw 2 is actually pretty good and then I don't know what Saw happened. Saw 2 I love, actually. Yeah, Saw 2 is pretty good. Saw 2 uh, is really good. The Pit of Needles is still something I'm woo, terrified of. Woo. I think you actually forgot one. I think there's Jigsaw. Oh, there, yeah, right? there is yeah. Jigsaw. Yeah, Jigsaw. I thought, yep, to be fair, nine. I thought Jigsaw was just yeah, one of these random it's Saw Jigsaw. movies. No, it's, it's Jigsaw. <laughs> I forgot about that movie. Um, But no, but then after 2, we just act like nothing else exists. And as long I as saw, you do that... It's okay. I saw all of them that came out before 2014 in theaters. I I've was seen up to four, weekend. and three and four are terrible. And then I was like, quit making these movies. Yeah. I stopped at four as well. I, I was just like, all right, I get it. I, I see everyone. We're just going to kind of continue this. But Spiral, I am jumping back in head first. I cannot wait I was, for that. I, at first, I was like, why the hell are we doing this? And then I watched the trailer about two more times, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm in. into that. I'm, I'm in. Into Let's, that. Go. Let's go. Let's <laughs> go. Um, but to kind of define the Adrian, I do want to know before we get to the Bible, were yeah. you on the Saw train out of all these like 10 movies? Uh, I've only seen the first two um, that I can think of. I don't remember what happens in Saw 3. The first one's really good. Um, like just like, like as a movie, like there's not like a lot of, you know, body horror stuff in there and the, the twist at the end's really good. Saw 2, not a huge fan of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, say I, have I mean it's gross it's gross i understand I don't, think I, I don't have a fear of needles but i am Ooh. severely discomforted when i see them on tv and i have to go get shots so i, I forgot I, I forgot about the pit of needles so thanks for that <laughs> uh, and by far one of the most terrifying things outside of the uh, i did I not flinch i i have seen so much ultraviolence that i don't flinch that much that movie nothing 
No other trap gets me except for that fucking pit. Yeah. That pit? Needles, the thing, doesn't like someone scoop like their it. eye out to get like a key or something like that? One dude cuts his I neck so, off. Yeah. The neck it. off is in the second movie with the mirror because he's yeah. so determined yeah. to find a thing. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, the girl yeah, with the trap box, the which is... Flesh. The trap box yeah. one is kind of messed up, too. The guy yeah, never I've... got to cut his eye out. Yeah. <laughs> he, yeah, he got too scared, so that it just closed on him. We needed that bear trap. Yeah, <laughs> we didn't yeah. get it in one, yeah, but thanks. we got it in two. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have no idea what Spiral's about. I don't know where it falls like, in this like thing, but all I read was I working in the shadows of the steam police, police veteran Samuel Jackson, brash detective... Uh, Ezekiel Banks, Chris Rock, and his rookie partner. Uh, I'm, I'm with it. Like, let's do it. Right? I, don't know, I don't know what this movie is about. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Just let's give do me it. those three in a movie. And I'm, Straight I think killer I'm cops? It. Oh, man. This is going to be wild. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm excited. It. Let's do it. I don't think I've ever wanted Chris Rock and Samuel Jackson like, in a horror <laughs> movie before, but I'm about it. I can't wait. Um, so actually, um, I, so I don't count him as a part of the Splat Pack, but officially Robert Rodriguez is a part of the Splat Pack when you look it up and how it's defined. It's not horror, so I don't count it as the same. It's exploitation films that are Grindhouse, which don't fit into the same Everything thing is horror. That's all I've learned on this podcast through 150 no, plus episodes. No, there are <laughs> rules. Adrian, there are Adrian, rules. This whole, everything's horror. Yeah, no. we talked about this multiple times. Everything, everything there, there are <laughs> rules. Um, but some of the other notable titles specifically is you have Dog Soldiers from Neil Marshall, Cabin Fever, House of Cows, Of a Thousand Corpses, High Tension, Saw, The Devil's Rejects, The Descent, which is another... So I would also like to say the Splat, tax, the flat, the splat Packs films aren't just ultraviolet, they're mean. Um, so, and if you don't understand what a mean film is, a mean film is something that gives you no hope. It doesn't pay off with anything. There's no catharsis. It is just a brutal ending that just, like, it kind of crushes you. And that then guys you're like, are usually okay. the heroes. <laughs> yep. That's why I saw it so great. But um, speaking of The Descent, <laughs> I love when everybody brings up The Descent because my brother watches all of these movies and obviously him and his dad basically, and that's probably why I've seen a lot of these movies to this time because, like, they love them and so they watch them. The Descent was the one time that my brother just was actually scared and said, I have and like had to walk out of the movie theater. I was like, I can't do this. Oh, man. Oh, man. Because all these other movies we owned on DVD, they've seen them multiple times, but The Descent was the one time that, that one. got him. That was the one that so, got him, and he was like, I can't do this. This isn't a wow. Neil Marshall episode, but a weird thing with The Descent <laughs> that I've noticed but from male horror fans and female horror fans is female horror fans, I mean, both love it. Both love it. But female horror fans aren't necessarily as scared of it as the dudes. And I think it's because of the brutality that the women do to each other. Right. That it's kind of like, oh my god, this is both yeah. subverting what I expect this woman to be able to do. And now there are these crazy monsters also happening. And oh my god, pit of blood. Okay, I can't do this. <laughs> we, I, I did Why an did experiment. Did oh, no. Adrian, Adrian, you no, should not watch no. The Oh, honey, no, 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 no. no. I, I think I, after 150 no. episodes, I would learn to stop Googling. So, Adrian, you know my brother. Horror, so. <laughs> Adrian, you know my brother. That was... My brother was yeah. the one that freaking was like, no, I can't do this. A lot of pickaxes. Oh, so. <laughs> um, I saw the Google images and I noped out, so I don't even want to know. I'm good. Yeah. Hard you, pass. you also have Wolf Creek, Halloween, um, Insidious, Mother's Day, Lords of Salem, pretty much anything you can put into Lords this. Lords of Salem. Oh, my God. What a film. <laughs> yeah. 
Ugh. Um. So I would re- personally, I would, I would go watch all the films that these directors have made, with the exception of Eli Roth. Just pretend Eli Roth doesn't exist. From he like, doesn't. Probably after Hostel. Just don't watch anything Eli Roth does after Hostel. <laughs> just, just I know Hostel has ruined a lot of people's vacations. <laughs> I yeah. don't ever want to go oh, travel yeah. in Europe. <laughs> I mean, the genius thing about Hostel, and I know this isn't about Eli Roth, but the genius thing about Hostel is the fact that it came out in 2005, I think, which was like so much shit happened in America, right? I mean, from yep. that span of four years in that whole thing from 2001 to 2005, everyone was afraid to travel. So he banked on that, that whole afraid or awareness of traveling either alone or with a group of friends or with family. Mm-hmm. It's just he banked on that and also paid off. Like, oh. uh, I mean, he obviously made a, a lot of movies that were very dumb after that. Very but, bad, but yeah, yes. Very, very yes. bad. And he remade Cabin Fever for God knows why. He No, he didn't even remake it himself. Somebody was like, hey, I want to remake your movie shot for shot. And he was like, sure, I'll give you money to do that. It is the dumbest thing in it's existence. so stupid. Oh, I'm my like, God. We will never do, do an do Eli Roth episode because that is an example of how you don't build a career. Um, sorry, I don't like that man. I yeah, like I'm him in Glorious Bastards, and that's about it. That's, that's the only current <laughs> Eli Roth that I like. He's yeah. not good. Um, but yeah, so we have Saw to thank for, at least in the U.S., the rise of this type of thing. Um, because Cabin Fever, as much as it, 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 it gets listed from Eli Roth's credits, it's not technically in the torture porn aspect. That's just a body horror movie. Um, because there are differences. Torture porn itself, I, I don't personally like that name, but it's, it's ultraviolence that usually uses mechanisms and or uh, puzzles and those types of things. So if your film is lacking that or lacking instruments that are doing that piece, it's not technically torture. Um, it, that's the, the, the clear element of it. Humans doing this to somebody else um, is a big important thing in that genre because ultimately as much as torture porn gets ragged on, a lot of the time, especially in French cinema, it's an ex- it's an examination of humanity and how we act towards other people. Or and that's one of the things that the Saw franchise, as much as it did go off the rails, had at its heart. What do you do when what do you do to bad people? Who gets to call who bad and the like? Um So, the next but why though is Wanra and Hauntings. Uh Here for our mouth. I'm with Adrian. I don't even know what you just said. <laughs> I'm just thinking about all, how all my favorite movies could be classified as horror, if you'd really think about it. No. <laughs> there are rules. We just bring up ones that tend to abide by them. Um, so you move into Dead Silence, which I wanted to include here. Because no. this is so... No. No. I watched that commercial and I was like, Nope. Just nope. <laughs> so nope. I want to start by saying Wanra is not my term. Wanra was coined by the folks over at Fright Day to describe films that replicate James Wan's aesthetic 
and storytelling in horror. These are usually going to be PG-13 films that deal with ghosts, possessions, hauntings, those types of things, and take a lot of stylistic notes from what James Wan started, specifically in Insidious, but if you watch Dead Silence, it is all there too. Adrian, go watch that trailer right now while she's talking. Uh, and come back. Why do I do this to myself? Anything for the podcast. Um... So this is what he directed instead of Saw 2. It was co-written with Winnell, and the entire purpose of this of, of Dead Silence is about a guy who leaves his hometown, and there's a there's a lady called Mary Shaw who had no children, only dolls. And she ends up being murdered because people think she's abducting kids. And this entire run of the film, you're expecting it to be a, like a like one of those things where it's like, oh, they hurt this poor old lady who just liked dolls. And then the reveal is, oh no, she is actually that bad. She is actually cutting people up and making them into ventriloquist dummies. Fantastic. <laughs> and this entire film is where you see the start of that aesthetic. The extremely pale-faced haunt, the, the extremely pale-faced ghosts, the period-style clothing, the deep, dark colors, and the excellent use of negative space. Like, everything that James Wan shoots leaves space in the frame for you to wait for something to pop out, and it will not always pop out. It will happen once, and then every other scene that you think is happening, you're waiting for other things to move in the frame. It, it's different to how um, Flanagan does it, because Flanagan fills up all of that negative space with things for you to catch on rewatchings. James Wan builds the anticipation of making something pop out in the background because he does rely a lot on jump scares, but it doesn't always happen. And a lot of that gets started with Dead Silence, and I don't believe it gets enough credit for starting the entire genre. Prince, it, it, you can now have the floor. Uh, <laughs> I am going to completely agree because the fact that Dead Silence, one, didn't get enough love. I think it had 27% on Rotten Tomatoes or something like that. But uh, with Dead Silence... The fact that he made this whole span of Mary Shaw, which, by the way, is uh, she has a cameo in Death Sentence. So it's, yeah, it's pretty great. He's a judge in Death Sentence, and it's Judge Shaw. And I'm just like, this is awesome. Um, so it, the fact that he made this woman so insanely scary, which initially... It's it's Freddy Krueger. The, the the initial yep. story is Freddy Krueger just in a ventriloquist and, and utilizing dolls and so on and so forth. But the hauntingness of use of that cold blue that he uses in this film. And I don't think he's ever really using this cold blue too often. Mm-hmm. Maybe Insidious, but Insidious he used a lot of reds. Yeah. So it, 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 I think the conjuring is where you get that, that cold filter that comes right. on when you're in the houses, but not... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so it's so interesting, but with all of how he utilizes the lighting and the way that these characters interact with each other, uh, especially with Jamie, because Jamie was wow, like I I absolutely loved his character in general, and the fact that there's no hope, just like you said, like the thing with the splat pack, they make sure most of their films have zero hope. You have every stake presented to you, and you think they're going to die, and nine times out of ten, they, they do. die. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's 
a very interesting film, and it's fascinating seeing how much he's changed his style over the years mm-hmm. as well. And I know Flanagan has done similar things like this with uh, uh, his films having no hope to start, and now most of his films end with hope of some kind. Um, but that's because Oculus he had children. Was the last, yeah, because I think Oculus is the last one where there's yeah. just there's no hope. <laughs> there's no hope. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. God, so Adrian, here. I saw that. Oh face. yeah, you. J- I, I saw oh, your face I, there, Adrian, <laughs> down there. <laughs> that face, Adrian. Uh, fun fact: dolls don't don't really get me. I think that's why I thought the Annabelle movie was dumb. Uh. Uh, so that one doesn't do it for me. I, I like the end kind of gets a little bit crazy. I can see like how that stuff. But like, listen to that. This seems like there's no hope in that movie, and that's why I don't I don't go to movies for that reason. <laughs> so I'm listening to you talking. I'm like, why do you guys hate yourselves? Like, what? It, it, it's it's the something world is so, so cathartic bad. about it. It's so amazing. you know what? Well, the, the funny thing we talk about this because, like, for me, I guess that's why I like Saw so much. Because obviously, these movies, as you get farther and farther, we learn there's no hope. But the first time I saw Saw. I, I thought think, there was hope. There was, there was hope, and you out. thought you had there was hope. And then you get the twist at the end, and you're just like, Oh shit! Oh, that that dude's dying. In <laughs> oh, <there>. oh. <laughs> Danny Glover's gone. That dude just got one foot and life went off, and the guy just gets up while he's been chilling, taking a nap the whole time. Like y'all suck. Yep. And you're just like, and by the oh way, my gosh. Saw makes me want Lee Whannell in more films. It like, does. Th- yes. He's such a good actor on yes. top of being just as good as a director. Uh, it's just God. Ah. But one thing that I did want to mention really quick uh, with Dead Silence uh, is that. Dead Silence had also a fantastic twist, just like Saw, that no one saw coming. And yet it's still people shit on this film and it pisses me you off. You know, and I, <laughs> I, I am a firm believer that people who shit on uh, Dead Silence never actually watched it. That like that, like that, especially, especially when it comes from horror fans themselves. Right. Because like you can't watch that movie and say that it was done badly because one of the things that, and we'll talk about this as we move into Insidious, is uh, uh, Wanell and Juan take a story that you know, like right. you said, Freddy Krueger, right. <laughs> and they just knock that baby up to like a 15 <laughs> out of 10 on where things go. Um, and and for me, if if you're listening to this and you've never seen Dead Silence, even if we've ruined it, we've spoiled it for you, I don't care. Go watch it because when you watch it, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I rewatched it like I think it was right after we had gotten into this the house. Um, It was right after we bought the house, and it was on Netflix. And in the back of my head, I was like, okay, I remember this movie being scary, but it it can't be that bad because I know the conversation around it. Everybody makes fun of it, and then I put it on, and I was like, no. Oh no, 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 okay, we're going here. I don't because I opener. also don't like dolls. Oh. Um it's a lot. Uh, so go watch it. It has my yes. highest recommendation. I'm assuming it has Prince's highest recommendation. One hundred percent. If you could find the unrated version, I would definitely suggest that one too. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, we may do that for a horror night, actually, now that I think about it. I will I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and no, so it, it was it was it was insidious for me that one I, I can't watch that movie uh, I, I just can't I did, can't did, do it that was the one you said you you walked out of the room on right yeah yeah I walked okay. out some scary I don't I think I blocked out of my memory Fair uh, enough. <laughs> some scary stuff was happening the music was just really really yeah not you made Tiny at, Tim extremely scary <laughs> and I dipped out I was like nope it's gonna be a nope for me 
Oh, it, it reminds me of like, like watching it, and I know you have it like here in the things, but like watching that movie make made me think about the Poltergeist, and the Poltergeist scarred me as a kid. Oh, that's uh, fair. That thing got me viscerally afraid of anyone with braces for a long time. So, because uh, <laughs> I thought that they were gonna come out of their face and kill me. Uh, so <laughs> things of, like when stuff when stuff like that happens to families, uh, I'm j- I'm just not down. If it happens yeah. like some stupid, you know kids like in woods and they get you know murdered then they deserve it (laughs) (laughs) stop coming to people's houses come on man they're trying to live their lives (laughs) horror that uses familial trauma is probably the thing that hurts me the most because there's no escaping that you can't escape intergenerational pain like that just lives with you yeah Uh. i mean it's also like why i did like that's why I stopped playing. What was the the Resident Evil where you have to like your girlfriend comes at you like at the very beginning of the game? Is that five? Oh, I think it's five. Yeah, I did that in VR and I was like, no, this makes me think about like murdering my wife. No, and it's seven. I, it's oh, seven. Yeah. No, seven. Oh, I don't God. know. It's seven. I did that in VR and I was like, all right, I'm done with this game. This is this is I don't I don't like I don't like stuff that like projects familial stuff into the thing. Right. Uh, unless it's James Wan doing Furious. So <laughs> <laughs> see. He has a basis in family. He just rips them apart. See, he ripped them apart so he would know how to build it together in Fast and the Furious. Um, But yeah, so Insidious comes out in 2011. The landscape of horror at this time is that we've moved away from hauntings that aren't found footage. Really, the only thing that you get in the haunting area, especially haunted houses, is found footage, and specifically paranormal activity. Paranormal activity sets the standard for what we think of haunting, like, storytellings of haunted houses, which had fallen out of favor mainly because just leave the house. Like, that, that's always the thing. Which also leave is the another house. thing of the first one's actually pretty good. And then they kept making them. Again, mm-hmm. in oh paranormal activity. Yes. Oh yeah, no. There are some gems in there, but there's a lot of garbage. So the, fir- the first paranormal one, I, three. I, I was like, <laughs> the first one, I don't mind. It's pretty good, even though I'm kind of like, this is dumb, and I understand what people are saying. And then after that, I'm like, this is stupid. And then I can't take it serious because people like close the door. They're like, that's how. Like you know, these works. are these these are the rails. And this is paranormal activity where it currently exists and whatever yeah. it's done. And it, Blumhouse I know just that, took that somewhere I, else. I know that this is an audio podcast, but my arms are very far apart. That is what <laughs> I'm saying <laughs> to listeners. Um, so that was essentially the status of it. And you also didn't have a lot of stuff happening with families. You had stuff designed by individuals, mostly individuals experiencing something. But what Insidious does is it inserts family into the horror narrative, which has been, this is another defining piece of Wanra as well. It has to do with haunted houses, and it has a resurgence of spiritualism, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So Insidious, in this first film, the Lambert family has just moved into a spooky house. Early on, their eldest son, Dalton, falls into a coma, and his parents, Joe and Renee, Patrick Wilson, who is literally in almost every James Wan film there is, because he has to be. I love him. I love that man so much. Um, and I love that he doesn't want to be famous. Um, Anne Roseburn, uh, Renee, they essentially, they bring him home from the hospital and they begin to experience events in their house that is like a haunting then, Winnell very smartly takes everything you expect to happen in a haunting movie and subverts it. And you realize, oh no, they can't leave the house because it's haunting the boy. 
It's attached to the kid. <laughs> there is no escape from what haunted. is happening. <laughs> Kill your and, son, you're cured. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the events keep happening, and, he, and they end up bringing in a medium to help them get through to this piece. So... The beauty that happens in Insidious, and one of the reasons why it is a cornerstone of horror and why it defines the 2010s, and specifically we get this, we get the genre, the genre of films that look like what James Wan has done, is because of how it strikes a new balance of these horror tropes, specifically haunting tropes. Um, and what he does is he takes essentially poltergeist, kid gets sucked into thing family has to save kid from the thing with the help of a medium and kicks it up to 15 like i said um and he does that him and winnell do this not just by creating a, a scary story but they create a world for that story to exist in you have this thing called the further which is what the kid gets pulled into and they use the further as this connective tissue through the entire series and a little bit beyond and it's this concept of the the uh, of limbo it, it's that liminal space between life and death where things get stuck and and things can get pulled out of um and that really helps defined it as a world and you get to see this world in the first film when patrick wilson as a dad goes in to go save the kid um what it also does is it pulls in this idea of spiritualism and this is what helps define wanra spiritualism was initially a, a religious movement that is based on the belief that uh, spirits of the dead exist and have the ability and inclination to communicate with the living so this is when you see the uh, i believe it was like the 1920s you have this rise of uh, seances and mediums and these kinds of things spirit photography all of that is imbued in Insidious, and it gets used throughout, and it is what leads naturally into the Conjure universe where you have the Warrens as the focus. So this is the base that pretty much every 20, and every film from 2011 on that has to do with the haunting is built on. Um, it's one of the standout uh, all-ages horror and that anybody could go see it in a, in a theater. Um, and yeah, it also grossed $97 million in a $1.5 million budget. Uh, if you didn't know, James Wan and Lee Winnell are great at making money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they know how to so do that. They're, they're cash-making machines. As far as this movie, it's I've, I've seen bits and pieces of it, like Adrian, and kind of out. The Poltergeist doesn't really scare me as much anymore ever since. Obviously, I don't remember really watching this one as a kid, but all I remember is a comedian does a whole skit on where... Just leave the kid in the house. You can make a new kid. <laughs> and so ever since I heard that, I can't take the Poltergeist serious of like as a horror movie because I'm like, just leave the kid. The kid's barely old enough. You can get a new kid. <laughs> what if what if it's Problem Leia? Solved. Leia's possessed We're by a demon Leia. dog. Oh, that's fine. We can definitely get a new dog. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah! No. You can Come die on, to James the demon Wan. dog. I will <laughs> make the movie. Leia, bust through a window. <laughs> Time for a new dog. In your hallway. That no, dog is I, I fully accepted that I would have been the dad in Pet Cemetery. That would have been me. Like, I don't care. And not even with my own kid, because I don't want kids, but I would do it with my pets. Hell yeah. I don't I care do if she eats pet. me later on. Like, come on. I'm, I'm, I'll probably 
I don't know if I would do it with my kid yet, but I'll do it. With <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so uh, uh, the first Insidious is at a sixty-six on Rotten Tomatoes, which is insanely low. It's in my opinion, bad, it's, not it's not that bad. But but for what it, for how so, for how for it's how talked it's, about. <laughs> yeah, for how it's talked about and how it's remembered that score is really low because I would say across the horror communities, there are very few films that actually are seen as cornerstones or things that like everybody can agree on. And Insidious is right. one of them because additionally that use of, of strings, like those screaming strings, those, 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 that screaming violin, that is, that is also something that translates to other Wanra films uh, or films that are made in Wan's image. Um, so like, there are so many things that Insidious did that it has a 66 is really low. So I guess for me, when I look at Rotten Tomatoes and I know how stupid people are, when we, we talk about Rotten Tomatoes on multiple things, I kind of div- I kind of divvy up the way uh, stuff is. So like horror kind of falls in the same way with me for action-adventure. A lot of critics basically don't care for this because we've already had it before and they don't think it's new or do whatever. So anything between like the 50 to 70 range, then it's a, probably a pretty good movie, if not great, if you like that genre. And anything above maybe 70, probably like maybe defining or just you know come somewhere like oh my gosh or it basically kind of did some mainstream things that people fell for um same thing with like we talk about with like animation like if a pixar movie falls below like a 90 and gets like an 80 i'm like it's probably a bad movie and they're like, it's probably a bad movie, yeah yeah but obviously that's basically their sucker you know bite for families they're gonna give it a 90 whatever else and so at least when it comes to rotten tomatoes i look at stuff in that type of weird stuff that's a good way to look at it so That's when it comes fair. to horror, if I see it's in the sixties, like when we when we talk about a few of these other ones, I was like, oh, that's actually not that hot. It hot, deserves more. Yeah, then I was like, oh, that probably probably if you take it and translate it over, probably closer to like the eighties to for me at least way I look at Rotten Tomatoes. It deserves sense. more. Yeah. So from that, this is essentially also the start of PG thirteen horror, actually theater horror as a whole. Um, what insidious does and and specifically one success money wise with insidious is what kickstarts theater horror and it's something because what a lot of people for things seem to forget in 2020 when things are getting pushed to uh delayed instead of vod is that horror has thrived for a long time on vod because it had to because it couldn't get in theaters because nobody would back it then you or had blue house the slots well, yes, that's also a thing. But then you had Bloomhouse rise with their with their models where it was cheap movie, big return. And you also have Juan doing this with films that were easily put out, tapped into something, and put to a mass market. And it hit that sweet spot of PG-13. Um, so you get Insidious, Insidious Chapter 2, which was made for $5 million, grossed $160 million, has a 40% of Rotten Tomatoes, and it was directed by one uh, with 1L on script. And then you have Insidious 3, which was made for $10 million, grossed 112 a 59% on Rotten Tomatoes compared to Insidious 2's 40%. And that was both written and directed by 1L. And then you have Insidious Last Key, which was made for $10 million as well, and grossed $167 million. And Maybe that's at a 33%. People hated it. I don't think it was that bad. So thirty three is kind of thirty three falling out it of the range of to me. That, like, that one I won't defend. It, but it wasn't that bad. That movie did bad because it restructured what the further is. 
And right. that was the frustrating thing about it. Because it yeah. took the lore and it, it tried to expand on it, but just made it something completely different. Yeah, it was. That, it, it, they, they made the it seem problem. like you can go in and out whenever you kind of want to. And yeah. They just, it, it, lost, it lost a lot of people for sure. Because they didn't have to use the seance to go in there anymore. They just was like... It was like the Avatar state. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and so out of the Insidious um, thing, you end up with the Conjuring universe. Um, this is... So in the like 70s, 80s, there's this obsession with the Warrens. Um, the Warrens are real people, by the way. They're spiritualists who go and do stuff most known for the amityville horror and everything there so May a lot of rest in peace oh yeah that's right they're dead i forgot about that um, I, th I think i think uh lorraine passed away maybe in 2016 i think that's what it was yeah they're also fairly controversial with how they made their money a lot of potentially predatory things on people who are grieving if like you want to see like lorraine <laughs> do that like for real for real there's a show that she was on for years called paranormal state and yep. it is it very cringy on how they prey on people so yep. <laughs> um but uh the conjuring universe restructured them as cinematic heroes uh fighting against the forces of evil <laughs> um is what happened because you have patrick wilson again <laughs> As Ed Warren and Lorraine is, uh, is it uh, Marissa Farmiga? Vera, Vera, Vera Farmiga. Vera Farmiga. And you have the Conjuring series. So this is the Conjuring universe. You have the Conjuring, the Conjuring series, which is the Conjuring, which came out in 2013, the Conjuring 2, and the Conjuring Devil, Devil Made Me Do It, which is supposed to come out in 2021, which is the third of that trilogy. You have the Annabelle series, which is Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, Annabelle Comes Home. I don't like any of those movies, actually. I, I Annabelle like creation at all? No. is the one I saw. Yeah. And it was not good. Oh, yes, I, I believe I we have that review up on the site, design. and they hated it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I, I thought I was watching, like, some Freddy Krueger, like, meme stuff that was going on, because it was just not, yeah. Well, well. <laughs> what it is, <laughs> is that the doll just, they, they tried very hard to make Annabelle creepy, Right. Which doesn't work like that. If they had just had the the Raggedy Ann doll, which is what the real Annabelle doll is, I actually probably would have been more afraid of it. Right. Um, Punch of that. <laughs> <laughs> then you have the Nun series because there's supposed to be a second one coming out, which is an untitled Nun, nun film, TBD. Um, the Nun, uh, which is the only one in there, and then you have the other films, like Curse Arona, which is. Awful. I you like that one, Kate. Nope. You can go <laughs> read one. my, my <laughs> 3 out of 10 review. Um, and a 3 out of 10 was generous because I had to... I was say, I that's had, pretty generous. <laughs> well, it was because I had to critique it on its own merit as a horror film and not the other things that I hated about it, which that's I fair. also talk about. Um, yeah, no, not great. That's the Conjuring fair. universe has a lot of duds. That being said, it is a whole ass universe that developed around one film, which was The Conjuring, which is a phenomenal film at the end of the day. And since it was your favorite, Prince, I don't know if you want to talk about it a little bit. Ooh, uh, yeah. I mean, The Conjuring is fantastic, first, first and foremost. I, I think that's sitting at a pretty high rating on Rotten Tomatoes. But with The Conjuring, you 
get this this group of family, all daughters, dad, who's barely home, actually. He actually has a, probably the worst job that someone can have for a stay-at-home mom, which he has to leave all the time to drive a truck for a distribution company. Uh, but he's gone all the time. We're based in the 70s right now, and they buy their, their dream home. And in this dream home, it is haunted by a villainous witch demon thing named Bathsheba. And boy, is she angry. <laughs> Her main thing is to take your... It's not your firstborn. This, this is what I found interesting. It's your lastborn, though it's your youngest. And it is to sacrifice your youngest to take the mom's soul. And it's such an, an interesting... It's such an interesting story. God damn it, that movie. <laughs> uh, I have a two and a half hour discussion on my podcast for that. So I, I, I'm not going to I'm not going to bore you with all I the can, details. I, I can link it in the show notes. Yep, Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that movie is at an 85 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Annabelle is at a 29. Uh, the Conjuring 2 is at an 81 Annabelle Creation is at a 71. I don't know why people liked that movie. I don't get it. I enjoyed it, but I I, 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 I wouldn't say it was that high. It definitely Annabelle Creation high. being higher than Insidious is a crime. Yeah, that's a crime. <laughs> the Nun at a stunning 26. That's actually um, high. I thought that was lower. <laughs> the Curse honest. of La Llorona is a 29, and I'm going to be mad about it. Because my negative review is on there for that movie. Um, <laughs> and then Annabelle Comes Home is at a 65%. That is actually surprising. So surprising. Annabelle got better as it went on, apparently. Interesting. There's worse yeah. movies in that one. <laughs> <laughs> that one was pretty bad. That's that what everything I heard. Was, that's, okay, that's confusing. But Which, once again, is why I have my own Rotten Tomatoes scale. Of how I take things. Yeah. Even with this, though, this universe has cranked out the money. So, The Conjuring was made for $20 million. It's the largest budget film within horror uh, that uh, that Juan has directed. He does low-budget horror, high-budget everything else. Um, <laughs> and that was made for $20 million. It grossed $319 million. Uh, Annabelle was made on 6.5 million and it grossed 257 million. This is worldwide. Uh, the Conjuring 2 was made on 40 million. Uh, wait, that's the highest one, 40 million, and that uh, grossed 320 million worldwide. Annabelle Creation made for 15 and grossed 306. Um, the Nun made for 22, grossed 365 for some reason. No, I knew a lot of people that saw that movie, just nobody ever liked um, it. The Curse of La Llorona was made on 9. Hey, <laughs> it only grossed 123. My people said no. Uh- <laughs> the, the Nun and the, the Curse of La Llorona are the two films that I've never finished. Oh, I've so have not finished either one real of those. Bad. I do not like The Nun. It's uh, real bad. The Nun is it's, so bad. It's it, real bad. Once I saw the CG face, I was like... I'm out. <laughs> yeah. I'm done. Can't do the CG faces. I'm, I'm all right. I'm done. <laughs> and then uh, Annabelle Comes Home was made for 27 and gross 231. Uh, so, yeah, theater horror sells. And this is what pops it out. And this is the one, 
<laughs> so this has to do with color palettes, a lot of blues, a lot of uh, whited out ghosts, um, a lot of dark, just dark films, like in general, like dark as in there is no light in them, not dark as in theme. Um, a high reliance on jump scares. I don't malign jump scares as much as other people do. Like, a good cheap jump scare is fine for me. An expected one is not, and a lot of Wanra films fall into the expected jump scare. Um, and then, like I mentioned, spiritualism. It's a whole reliance on having some sort of person come in to mediate the person between the haunting, the reliance on hauntings, and actually just the idea of it being a PG-13 film in general. You end up with things that either stylistically represent this or fall into this thing as the woman in black, Ouija, Origins of Evil, Origin of Evil, which is actually a good film. Holy crap. Yes. <laughs> Ouija, yes. Origin of Evil is phenomenal oh, and terrifying. Oh my gosh. Um, Wish Upon, Oculus, another phenomenal film from my, that one's from Both my plan again. Yep. Uh, the Possession, also a really good film. Uh, Winchester, um, yeah, it's based out. in the Bay Area. I had to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Poltergeist, uh, the new one. So it's funny because Poltergeist inspired Insidious, and then all of Insidious is pretty much just what the new Poltergeist movie was that came out. That's true. Um, <laughs> the Boy, The Possession of Hannah Grace, and the list goes on. I personally am not... Oh, and It. I would argue that It being remade for theater horror is because of the success of PG-13 horror and because of the success of Juan. I could see in, that. In, in my opinion. Um, see that. Because it makes it profitable. And it stands as the most profitable horror movie or the most, uh, the, the most grossing horror movie that has come out. Right. Um, and so for me, that's kind of what I tie into this. Um, but a lot of people rag on PG-13 horror and I used to be one of those folks because they usually pull a lot of punches you don't get a lot of oomph um, and they are kind of mass produced but for me I think PG-13 horror is actually really good just because of how it opens up horror and the fact that it puts more things into theaters um, and PG-13 horror is what we have to thank with Midsummer getting a wide release. It's what we have to thank for um, us getting a wide release. Any horror film that right now gets a wide release, it is because PG-13 horror succeeded. Whether those movies were good or not, not going to debate it, but the PG-13s that came out set the scale to make studios invest in putting those movies out. Um, and a lot of them actually would be better as R-rated films, but you know, they do their job. I mean, happy you had Happy Death Day, right? Which is PG thirteen, yeah. and that did really, really well. And also, you know when to go like full throttle. Like Gretel and Hansel didn't need to be rated R. Yep, that worked great as a PG thirteen horror film. Yep. it's the whole PG thirteen horror film of not good or it's. It's just don't waste your time with it. Uh, I'm completely on the left side of that. I'm for PG-13 horror. I'm for I'm the guy who's who likes cartoon horror too. So I'm yes. I'm like that dude. So I like uh, TV seven horror as well, like Over the Garden Wall and Gravity Falls and all that type of shit. So I'm that dude too. So I'm just like just give me all the horror and you know I'll I'll take it I'll take it away from Matt. 
He doesn't. He doesn't want it, so I'll take <laughs> it from him. He doesn't. He. He's like, nope. Get that shit out of my face. <laughs> like, <laughs> I got you. I'll take it for both of you. I'll, uh, just send it my way. <laughs> oh, also, scary stories to tell in the dark. In the dark. That's true. Yeah. That was absolutely. a PG thirteen film. That felt like an R film. That it did. that that movie. Dude, goes the jangly hard. man. Dude. Oh, great. And that was practical. The toe? Oh. All yeah. The toe. Yeah, the zit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Come it's on. It's all good. Come on. It's all good. So good. Matt, <laughs> what do you feel? So once again, I like saw, and then. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's the best answer. <laughs> but no, um, like I said, I like saw, and then obviously I've seen bits and pieces of this, but I don't care about any of this stuff before. Um, I don't. Obviously, I do not do dolls. Um, so obviously Annabelle, Dead Silence are all gone. I don't care about religion, so while they use the spiritualism, it just it's definitely a turn off to me. I'm obviously not yeah. a big fan of jump scares because I do think they are some pretty much for the most part cheap. Um but I mean to me PG thirteen versus R rated stuff doesn't bother me as much because like I said, there is stuff that you can make that's PG thirteen good and some stuff is R and obviously we've talked about on other episodes of just how what it really is PG thirteen versus what is R can just de- defined by one one thrust versus yeah. you know one F word and like and there's a lot of like vague stuff that goes into that. Yeah, I also want to clarify the films that I listed that I believe fall in Wanra aren't necessarily all PG thirteen. Right. Um, but I do think that, like what Matt said, some of these I have to think back if they are PG thirteen or not. Wish Upon clearly a PG thirteen movie, right. um, but other ones it's kind of like Oculus. I don't is Oculus a PG thirteen movie? Yes, R. Yeah, because the way she died. That that's fair. in Oculus. Yeah, it that was R. just like yeah. that was brutal as all but, hell. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like there's something about like the type of style that emerged after Insidious that I just assume it's all just like That's fair. <laughs> yeah. Um I mean yeah. you can even probably argue film horror films from the seventies, like Black Christmas, for example. You probably argue if you see that now, you would consider it's that a PG thirteen horror film. Yep. That was rated PG. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, and, and and to to kind of wrap up the episode, we've talked he has defined horror. Him and him and, and I have to mention Lee Winnell. Him and Lee Winnell have defined horror these last twenty years. Like the horror landscape in the US specifically looks the way it does because of what they have done and put into it. Um but he also doesn't just let the genre define him. Um because <laughs> Because of Furious 7 and Aquaman, he's the second director in history to have two films that were not the same franchise reach a billion dollars at the box office. Um, The only other person to do that is James Cameron with Titanic and Avatar. Which one day we will have a James Cameron episode as much as people think he's a dick. After all the times we've had to mention him, I feel like he deserves an episode. Yeah, he deserves an episode. He's allowed to be a dick. There's a few people um, when you reach those heights, like you know what I, you know what, fine. <laughs> you are in fact that good. Okay. Um, 
but also with that he was he is the first asian director to have two films make a billion dollars at the box office he's the first australian director to have a film make one billion dollars at the box office he's also the first asian director to have a film make a billion dollars overall in the box office as well adrian this is where he gets to talk about furious seven after everything that was just mentioned Furious 7 has the best Rotten Tomatoes rating, both critic and audience score. Wait, what? It's above 85? Oh, above 85? Which one was 85? The Conjuring. The Conjuring. Oh, yeah. Well, except for The Conjuring, because they're both at 82%. So. <laughs> <laughs> Movie also made $1.5 billion. Uh, uh, I think, I mean, it's probably still in top 10. I don't know. I know it was like, like top 4 at, at some point, but I'm pretty sure it's getting pushed out here pretty soon. But no, Furious 7 is pretty good. Like, it's, um, I think James Wan has, like, the hardest job of any Fast and the Furious director, like, to that point. Because Justin Lin had done the previous three, but because they wanted to do, like, the filming for 6 and 7, like, right back to back, Justin Lin didn't want to do that because he went to go do other stuff. Um, so they brought in James Wan, does, like, a really fantastic job of that. And, of course, you have Paul Walker dying, like, in the middle of the filming. So you, he has to, like, go back and kind of rally everyone who's been in this franchise for you know over a decade and kind of lead the ship that way um which is which i think he does a really fantastic job with because the movie does come out pretty well um and i thought this movie's rated lower uh but this is also like the highest rated fast and the furious movie i think well. it's also As because sh- of paul walker to be honest i mean it's all, i mean i guess but also like <laughs> critics are harsh and 200 of them like the movie so I, I was I two hundred of them are Paul Walker fans. Yeah, but they're <laughs> sapped to death. So, actually, I, I wouldn't. So, given some of the reviews that I've read of things, I wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh oh. <laughs> I still I stand by that. That movie's only highly rated because of the ending. Uh, the ending so. is really this, good, though. The like ending's the ending's like, great. Ending. I'm not saying the ending's bad, but is like, that is that, that where he drives off? Yeah, yeah. Where he drives off. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, okay. It's so, actually uh, really time... emotional. I'm not even highly invested. Well, I am now because I've watched them all with Adrian when the <laughs> pandemic first started. But right. um, yeah, but like also like past that too, they they kind of and I, I imagine this is probably just back to like James Wan's roots. But like he was very adamant that they do more practical stunts. So um, like only ten percent of the movie has anything that's computer generated outside of like obviously like the Paul Walker stuff. So like the plane sequences, you know, Brian jumping off the the bus and things like that. Um, all the cars that they're using all practical, practical effects, which I think is pretty cool considering the last two movies before this were like heavily CGI for six, um, uh, and five. So, you know, bringing his practical effects into this movie, I think is really, really helped the franchise be better because, you know, they do cars of AC one thirties, multiple AC one thirties, and put GPS on them, and had like stuntmen jump out of the cars, and like yeah, it's it was just like really really well done, um, and is my favorite Fast and the Furious movie. Nice, I think so. I think so. Uh, he punches the street. He picks up a minigun oh, in it. That's so terrible. Uh, <laughs> there's some family stuff in there. I think it's really good. Mission Impossible, not as good as Fast and the Furious. Go. Uh. You want to bring up those Rotten Tomato ratings? Yeah, you want to bring up the money, brother? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Tom Cruise held on to an airplane. They threw cars out of an airplane and landed them correctly. Tom Cruise flew a helicopter upside down. Oh, he flew a helicopter. Tom Cruise did a halo jump and filmed it. Vin Diesel punched the street. (laughs) 
Damn. Damn. You just bad. Just always like talk trash about the Fast and Furious movies. Like the Mission Impossible. Like are these like Academy Award winning just amazing wanna... movies that are just so like the best actually, thing okay, ever. Mission, Mission Impossible is one of the reasons why people want to put in the the action category because of Fallout last year. Or whenever okay, Fallout hold came on, out. Sir. Fallout hold is like at, I think, a 96%. At Fu- and eat- at Furious 7 was the one that they wanted the stunt category to be a thing in there because yeah. almost all of the movie is... I'm sorry, stunts. do you want to hear about the last three Mission Impossible movies of a 93, a 93, and a 97? Jeez. You want to hear about two of the Fast and the Furious movies being in the top 15 money <laughs> made? You want to hear about Mission Impossible was like the number two rated movie of all of 2018 or 19? I'm loving 18? this, by the way. Mission <laughs> <laughs> Impossible is the highest rated movie to actually not win an Oscar. <laughs> even <laughs> even the spin-offs make a bunch of money and are rated pretty well. Like. <laughs> but moving on to the next dumb movie, which is another movie that also made a billion dollars and also is very, poor, not poorly rated, but rated about, about what I expected for an action-adventure movie of 65%, because it's not really a superhero movie at this point. It's just an action-adventure movie of Aquaman. Um... I like that Matt took over the episode now. I don't care. So one, I love this movie. But as I stated multiple times, Amber Heard and Jason Momoa cannot act for shit. And their dialogue (laughs) is terrible. And I wish they would just play the theme, the soundtrack, the entire movie. And I I too would love Pitbull's Africa nonstop in that movie. I would probably rather listen to that than the dialogue in this movie. But this movie is amazing because we talk about gorgeous all this stuff. Gorgeous to look at, too. Yeah, like when we it talk about beautiful. all the other stuff. It is gorgeous to look at. We have all these different creatures. We have the trench dive. We have basically almost as we oh, talked about. trench dive. Damn. <laughs> Man. <laughs> the horror inspiration that we talk about of all this other stuff between all the sea creatures. You have a kaiju as Adrian and Kate love. And then obviously yeah. we have them riding sharks. And it, you have an octopus playing the drums. If anybody's seen The Deep, which is also one you of the... You just described Finding Nemo. Finding <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nemo, Shark Tale, and The Little Mermaid. <laughs> and if anybody's actually watched uh, Tom Taylor's The Deep, either the graphic novels or the TV, the Australian TV show, um, a lot of that comes into this movie as well. It's also a fantastic show you need to go watch. Um, you get all of that in this movie, but problem is Amber Heard and Jason Momoa open their mouth. And <laughs> I am Anybody very much on the Jason Momoa and Amber no, Heard. No, no, Willem Dafoe and Patrick William Wilson Dafoe, you can are good and in Patrick that movie. Patrick Wilson actually aren't bad, but they're not great Who's, either. Who plays? Uh, I stand Nicole Kidman's Mumu. Uh, wait, 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 what movie was this? I think I'm. Aquaman. Aquaman. She at wears a Mumu oh. at the end. At the very end. Yeah. The guy who plays Black Manta. Uh, yeah, guy He's sucks. pretty cool. I mean, he wasn't oh, that, great. That's Yaya Mateen, right? He had his cool Mateen. He had a cool montage where he jumped in there before he got swung off the cliff. I liked him a lot. Hey, man. He's coming in Candyman. I'm, I'm, I'm super I'm excited for him Candyman. <laughs> you know what? After what the Candyman he's director intimidating. said, don't care about that movie either. Um, <laughs> that's another Fair. episode. Candyman Fair. made me sad because, again, that was a shot directed at the fact that all these horror movies are getting pulled from distribution. And I'm like, just release it on VOD. Your people are there. We want it. We have always supported you on VOD. Yep. But... To Adrian's point of talking about Fast and the Furious, this movie also made a billion dollars. This movie is very dumb of Aquaman. The dialogue is terrible, and I still don't know what they're going to do. And I still don't think Jason Miller can act for shit. Um, 
He's really pretty, though. That's the only reason people care about him, and we've yes. already established that. Yes. <laughs> he looks great in C. Yeah, that's, that's about all about everybody realizes. Um, we, <laughs> is this isn't oh, but the good thing is about this movie is we don't get the stupid Justice League stuff where they have to spin the water bubbles to talk on underwater. They at least fix that. I, yeah, yes. I'm so so Justice glad. League. So I, I keep hearing about this. So what, what did they have to do? They to had actually talk? To, they, yes, they had to create a bubble of air for okay. them to talk to each other underwater. Interesting. Which okay. is and when they're in the water, Atlanta, it looks like I'm yeah. watching a 1989 like. It's action movie where they're trying to CGA water is really bad, it's but bad. they fixed it. It's it's so actually, the underwater stuff is actually done really good in this movie in Aquaman. Like I said, the hair, the, whole movie, the attention to the hair underwater yeah. in the underwater scenes is phenomenal. The visuals, the sound, like the actual, like the soundtrack, everything, the whole entire plot, whatever you want to say about action adventure movies, great. Problem is they talk. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. And I don't think that's James Wan's fault. That is not James Wan's fault. I'm not. No, James, he unless he wrote, wrote the, he, he wrote, wrote the dialogue. He wrote, he, nope, James he wrote Wan still and prolific. directed it. So I will say some of the stuff. Oh, it is so, so some of it they can't act, and obviously some of it's like who allowed them to say those words. Right. I, mean, I think you can deliver lines a little bit better than what they did. Willem oh, no, that's and not, Patrick that's totally Wilson fair. did amazing with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like William Defoe. All and Patrick of Wilson that being that said. Bad. Aquaman is also probably the brightest movie James Wan has ever directed. It That's is true. It is like a hyper-colored, like, yeah, genre-bending, yeah, like, film. And for me, it's, it, like, it's what solidified for me that horror directors do really, really, really well with superhero films because they're so aware of visual storytelling. Um, and Man. the trench dive! That, that trench, trench dive, dive is pure Bro. Horror. Yes. It's so, so good. good. So good. It, the creature design, the use of the red, just chef's kiss. Hell yeah. I'm the so excited for Until they Sam come up Raimi from water and then on... they start talking again. What, what did you say, Prince? <laughs> I was just going to say, I'm, I'm super excited for Sam Raimi to take on uh, uh, Doctor Strange. Yes. Because of that. Like, I, mean, I am too. We're, we're going to get the most evil dead superhero movie you've ever seen and i was so for it so good well because scott derrickson and doctor strange another one of the most beautiful superhero movies out there also a horror director scott derrickson man i needed a Mm -hmm. blunt for that movie shazam as well um i forget his name also a horror director the best spider-man movie the annabelle dolls in both uh, aquaman and and shazam too (laughs) like little cameos but yeah, that's all I had to essentially prove that James Wan, and I realized this when writing the notes, it should be James Wan and Lee Winnell matter. Um, but James Wan has the extra stuff outside of horror. We'll have a Lee Winnell episode later. He follows me on Twitter, guys. It was the best moment ever. It's because <laughs> my review of Invisible Man made me very happy. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's it. That's all I got. James Wan has done phenomenal things, shown he can like flex his muscles in movies that flex muscles, like <laughs> Aquaman and Furious 7, and also leave you with no hope in everything else he's ever directed. So, final thoughts on James Wan? Uh, not a big horror guy, obviously, after 154 episodes. Um, Saw's pretty cool. Saw two needles, not good. Uh, Insidious scared me, so I think he does a good job at scaring me to not want to watch things. But also, he puts together like one of like the best Fast and the Furious movies, and probably has the hardest job of doing it. Uh, Aquaman's dope when they're not talking. Uh, so, 
I really don't really have much to say other than that because I understand all this cool horror stuff he does. But then I'm just like, ah, oh, well, now there's just more horror stuff for Kate to talk about. And then I'm just going <laughs> to be here Google imaging and watching trailers of stuff and then being scared. So thanks, James Bond. You're welcome. Um, <laughs> I guess for me, obviously, I've seen Fast and the Furious 7. It is what it is. Obviously, Aquaman, I love the movie, but I still hate that they talk. Um, I still would probably take the Pitbull stuff. But I do want to talk about, as much as I do not care about Insidious, Annabelle... Annabelle. Annabelle. I don't care. That's about, that's, about, that's about how much I care about that. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> Dead Silence. I love Saw. Um, obviously, in the first two movies, I don't care about the other three. The three beyond, they don't exist in my head, and that's fine. But the that five first, beyond? Don't even care. Like, <laughs> two Saw movies. I'm telling you, life gets better when you just like cut things off and you just don't act like they <laughs> exist. It's great. Um, I saw The American Dad. Taught me well. Um, but no, I do want to talk about, like, Saw 1 is a great ho- movie, and I love it so much, and it's by far my favorite horror movie. And obviously, like, Adrian, I don't really like a lot of horror movies, even though I tend to watch a lot of them, I guess. It's weird that we got into torture porn in that, even though I guess I can see it, but Saw 1 is great. If you've not seen it, you really need to see it, and I do appreciate that. I don't care what we get afterwards, because we got Saw, and that's all that matters. And I didn't even, and I completely forgot that it was made on a million dollars. But also, when I think about it now, as this episode, we, there wasn't a lot that goes on throughout that movie, nope. and a lot of nope. just talking and sitting in a room. A lot of green. But yes, a lot of green. But all I know is, is that twist. Uh, yeah, this entire episode is my final thought for James Wan. He's phenomenal. Um, we'll also do a Lee Winnell talk later um, because I love everything Lee Winnell has done since he helped create two of the cornerstones of Two Thousand Four. Um, yeah, I'm gonna throw it to Prince now. Uh, as I stated a little bit earlier, I think he's one of the most prolific directors of all time, and I think he definitely deserves all the praises if he can get them. But no, seriously, I do think he has such a perfect repertoire of films, and he has this thing where it's a bit of a gift and a curse, where he always makes something that seems to always make a universe of other shit, and it's (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> pretty cool but at the same time we notice that like it gets worse and worse and worse as it goes on but he still makes a lot of money doing it but hey good for him and by all means i am very excited for anything else he releases you're on out oh he oh it's not sorry aquaman isn't his only superman he's superhero thing swamp thing he produced oh yeah swamp he produced thing. swamp thing that's right. right which swamp thing was awesome and brutal as all hell <laughs> Bring it back, everybody. Bring it back. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Thank you for coming on, Prince. This has been great. Um, why don't you tell everybody who's listening where they can find you, your podcast, anything else you want to plug? Um, yeah, so you can find me over on Twitter at the Head Night, and that's Night with a K. You can also listen to my voice on Nightlight, a horror movie podcast underneath the Bloody Disgusting Podcast Network. You can find that on anywhere you consume podcasts, or you can head over to bloody-disgusting.com and go to the podcast section. Be right there. Awesome. As always, you can find us at But Why Though PC on literally every piece of social media. If you want to support this show a little bit more, head on over to patreon.com slash butwhythopc. And you can find me on Twitter at ohmymythrandir. Adrian. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at superreus93, S-U-P-E-R-R-U-I-Z, 93. Matt. Remember, if you ever feel stuck and you can't move, you can always just cut your foot off.
for anything. <laughs> your hand's stuck in a jar, cut your foot off. Cut your foot off. <laughs> <laughs>